Thanks, Steve. Good morning, everyone. I'm, I'm Dan, for those that don't know me. Um, we continue our mini-series on Advent, and today's door to open is Jesus as our Prince of Peace. Now, to be honest, I think the band and those that have given words today have kind of done my job for me. So I might just sit down or go and grab a, a, a cuppa. It, it feels like God's speaking. Today we're looking at Prince of Peace, and we're going to cover three things. We're going to cover the problem that peace addresses, the promise of peace, and the practice of peace. So let's start at the problem, my parents. When I was um, 12 or 13, my parents convinced me that I was getting a scooter for Christmas. It wasn't a cool electric scooter that they were talking about. My mum had convinced me that um, they were on trend. Of course, my mates were all um, skateboarding and, and doing stuff like that. Um, they told me at the start of December, um, and I worried about it the whole December. Um, they even wrapped it up, weighted like a scooter. Um, it turned out to be something that I actually wanted. Um, and, I, and I have since learned not to trust them. Um, the problem that we're going to talk about this morning uh, is the opposite of peace. Colin touched upon it earlier. It's anxiety. In my case, I didn't need to worry about anything. I spent time anxious about something that I didn't need to. Steve last week talked about the liminal place, uh, different to that, when you have a promise and you're kind of waiting in the middle of, of that promise being fulfilled. That can be a time of, of tension, frustration, sometimes causing doubt, fear, or anxiety. It can come from other things too. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed just by the sheer number of things that are being thrown at us. Sometimes we're not meeting our expectations. And I'm sure you can think of other things that causes anxiety. And before we delve into this further, I want to just say two things. First, I don't want to underplay anxiety, depression, stress, as they're really prevalent around us. They're, they're close to us, and they're close to the people around us. And, and secondly, we're far from immune from being, being anxious as Christians. Whilst peace is a gift from God, we have this kind of balance between our internal anxiety and our internal peace. John Mark Comer, a pastor, writer, and teacher, wrote a book on this uh, called My Name is Hope. Um, he said, for years I thought I was the only one who struggled with anxiety and depression. Questions were always lurking in the back of my mind, haunting me. What's wrong with me? Godly people don't struggle with depression. Why am I sad? Is my faith real? Am I a fraud? Am I crazy? He goes on to explain what he thinks anxiety is. Anxiety is when fear takes over your mind. Anxiety is when fear moves from the tangible to the hypothetical. Anxiety is when the what-ifs of life suffocate your brain. It's when you can't fall asleep at night, when you can't relax and take a nap, 
when your mind won't turn off. Anxiety is when your imagination runs haywire with no boundaries or limits. There's several people in the Bible as well that's, that struggled with this, and I'll briefly mention some of them, and if you want to look um, further later, you can. Job, in Job 30, he starts to lose his faith. He says, Now my life ebbs away, days of suffering grip me, night pierces my bones, my gnawing pains never rest. Hannah, in 1 Samuel, it says in 1 Samuel 1, in her deep anguish, she prayed to God, weeping bitterly. And you've only got to read the Psalms to see how David had a constant up and down roller coaster of emotion. Sometimes he's praising God and lifting his name. And then other times, like in Psalm 6, he talks of his deep anguish. He says he's worn out by groaning. And the last one I'll speak about is Elijah in 1 Kings 19. It's one of his darkest moments when he hears that Queen Jezebel is coming for him. It says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went for a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I have no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under a bush and fell asleep. There's loads of examples, and there'll be more of where strong characters in the Bible that, that we perceive go through uh, anxiety or fear. And we live in a world that we're constantly bombarded uh, by things. And we've got something in our pocket that is continuously bombarding us with things. Our phone is saying news, which is often bad. We have the demands of our daily life, our work, our family. Social media is designed to hook us in and give us lots of information. And as we approach Christmas, Christmas can be a different time for some. Sometimes it can be a help. Sometimes it can be a hindrance. It can be a time of anxiety for some as well, with money or busyness or family. It can be a time of distraction, a nice welcome distraction um, from our normal lives, only to see them come back when we get to normal lives in the new year. But this morning, I want to ask whether we can make it a time of peace, where it continues into our daily lives as we go into 2022. So I know you're all thinking, Dan, it's Christmas. Why are you depressing us? And I'm sorry for that. But let's look at the good news. Let's look at the promise. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. We've sung about hope this morning. We've sung about come those who are weary, those who are tired. And we know that by his spirit, he can give us hope. He can bring peace into our liminal space. The times when we feel overwhelmed, frustrated, anxious, fearful, or have a lack of hope. We're going to look at two passages this morning. If you've got a Bible, um, if you could turn to Isaiah 9, it'll also be up on the screen. 
and we'll start at verse 6. I might have to apologize. Livy, my daughter, is singing this as part of her nativity, and she's practicing around the house. So if I burst into song, um, you, know, you know why. I'll try my best. So from verse 6, for, uh, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So the prophecy in Isaiah 9 is of Jesus, and we see who Jesus is. He will be named Wonderful Counselor. If we were opening the doors on our Advent calendar and we had a few days to go into them, maybe the first one is, for us, a child is born. He is present for us. Jesus came to be present for us. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, the next door in the Advent calendar. He has the wisdom to help us navigate our lives. Mighty God, he has the power to stand for us. And lastly, Everlasting Father, Father, in this sense, is more of a king, somebody who assures us of the big picture, of the everlasting picture. You'll be glad to know we're not covering all of them, um, but it reminds us just of who Jesus is. And this morning, we'll focus on he's our Prince of Peace. He was given to be present for us as our Prince of Peace. If you flick through the New Testament, the letters, most of the letters start with grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Must be pretty important to start letters with peace be with you. And the other thing is it comes only from God. So what is peace? The dictionary describes peace as freedom from disturbance, tranquility, or a state of period in which there's no war or war has ended. But it's not quite how the Bible talks about peace. Shalom, the, in, the Hebrew in the Old Testament, means completeness, soundness, welfare. It's about an inner balance, an equilibrium, or a wholeness with God. One of those definitions depends on our external circumstances, whether you're free from disturbance, free from war, etc. As we've said this morning, there's things constantly being bombarded with us, and we can't control them most of the time. But the Bible says it's something that's inside of you, from your inner being. It's a bit of an upside-down piece. One arrow goes from the, our external to ourselves, whereas one is, if we have inner peace, then actually we can approach circumstances differently. Jesus himself said that he doesn't give peace as the world gives and he said this in John 14 when he was promising his Holy Spirit 
to the disciples. It was a time when he was telling them that one day he would leave. It was a time of change, a time of uncertainty, and and almost certainly a time of anxiety for them. In John 14, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Life isn't easy. However, the, ty- the Bible talks about living in peace that is resistant or defiant to the culture that we're living in. We said earlier that anxiety comes from within us. Well, so does peace, God's peace. Sometimes it can be easier when the environment is at peace around us. But true peace comes only from God, and it's within us. And we have this battle going on inside us of our inner anxiety and our inner peace. And let's be honest, as Christians, we often hide that. We feel that we should have God's peace, so everything should be fine. You know, a, a, a switch has been flicked and suddenly we've got God's peace inside us. But it is a battle. As I said, all the way through the Bible, we, we see how, um, how God's people go through this battle. Hannah, Elijah, Job and David all had that tension at times. And it's the same for us. Jesus came to bring us peace. True peace that brings us harmony, balance, wholeness with God. Peace to bring us into his family, his kingdom, and his plans. Maybe this morning you've never felt that peace of God in your life. Maybe you've never uh, made yourself open to God's voice and calling. And there's an invite to follow Jesus and to know his peace. So we've talked about the problem, we've talked about the promise, so what about the practice? How can we practice the peace that Jesus gives us to make time to know his peace, especially when we feel in times of tension? The other passage I'd like us to turn to is Philippians 4, to focus on how we practice Peace. So if you've got your Bibles, again, if you could turn to Philippians 4 from verse 4. If you haven't, it should be on the screen. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, With thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about these things. 
Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So there's three things in in that passage that I'd like us to focus on as we think about practicing peace. And you see in the text the three things, thank, think and practice. So first of all, thank. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Doesn't seem right, does it? You know, we ask for things, we get them, and then we're thankful. That's, but that's not what it says. It says ask for things with thanksgiving. Doesn't seem right, does it? But actually, it's an acknowledgement that God is righteous and is for us. His ways are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. God loves us, and he wants to be present. He's rescued us, and he wants to be near us. God is alive to work in us, and he's promised to renew us. We have peace because he makes us complete. There's nothing we need to do to earn peace, but we have it because he makes us whole. And we know before, uh, sorry, we know the answer, before we know the answer to our requests, we know that God knows best and we can be thankful for that. We can be thankful continually as we seek God's will. We trust God, whether it's a yes, a no, or a not yet. He knows the bigger picture, and he knows what's right for us. There can be uncertainties in life, lots of decisions to make, lots of pressures around us. But what Paul is saying here is that we can always approach God with thanksgiving because of who God is and his love. Any situation, you know that God is for you. He wants to be present, near, and renew us and work in us. You may be thinking, how on earth can I be thankful? You may be going through some very real and tough times, and the weight of everything might just be pulling you down, zapping your energy. And and earlier in the chapter, Paul speaks of his suffering and and his life. He was no stranger to opposition and suffering for the sake of Jesus. But his whole life was focused on living for Jesus. He knew the peace of God. He knew the completeness that God's peace brings. So thank, the second thing is think. We think about these things. One treatment that's often recommended um, for anxiety, mental health, etc., is mindfulness. It's paying more attention to the present moment, to your own thoughts and feelings and the world around you. The NHS says it's easy to stop noticing the world around us. It's also easy to lose touch with the way our bodies are feeling and to end up living in our heads caught up in our own thoughts without stopping to notice how those thoughts are driving our emotions and behavior. 
I mean, mindfulness is good to step back. It's good to be aware and be present in the moment. However, it does miss inner peace. The Bible goes further than mindfulness. It says in verse 7, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a peace that transcends all understanding. Not only that, it will guard your heart in Jesus. It will fight to protect your harmony with God. Tim Keller says, there is a difference between a morally restrained heart and a supernaturally changed heart. There's a difference between putting things in place to try and manage your kind of inner anxiety or thoughts or, uh, or being in the moment. But actually, it's a supernaturally changed heart that will transform you. We can try and restrain our hearts not to be anxious. But do we yearn for that supernaturally changed heart that the Holy Spirit works in us? For those that believe in Jesus and follow him, the Holy Spirit is for you and supernaturally changing your heart, convincing your heart that you can rest in God's peace. The passage says, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, think about it. Do we make time to think about it? Do we make time to invite the Holy Spirit to be working in our hearts and transforming our hearts? It says in the New Testament that, that Jesus often retreated to quiet places to be with God. He was retreating, praying, thinking, putting his life, work and purposes into the context of his father. You may find it hard to do the practices, maybe when you... When you sit down and, and have a time to slow down, maybe your mind is whizzing at, at 70 miles an hour. Maybe you, can't, you feel that you can't block out the pressures or thoughts and you're not able to focus your mind to, to slow down, to spend time in God's presence. Well, my recommendation would be to go one step at a time. Learn to make space. It might not be easy at first, Find the right time, the right place to focus your mind on God, to breathe, to pray, to reflect, to speak, listen, and spend time with God. And that's the place where we grow. That's the place where the spirit moves and we're refined with God. It's not a place to ignore certain worries and aspects, but to commit them to God so that he'll work through them. And sometimes it may even conflict as you have those times with God. But it's a time where we can commit them and be vulnerable with him. So thank, think, and lastly, practice. Finally, Paul says to put it into practice. The King James Version actually just says do. And as Nike says, just do it. So how do we apply this? 
My question for you and, and a challenge that I've had is, who are you living for? What do you love? Is it God that you love primarily? If you love anything more than God, you will be restless. Those things will be consuming your time, energy, and robbing you of God's peace. And as we've said today, peace only comes from God. Our true completeness can only come from him. If we put our faith, hopes, dreams in other things, they won't satisfy. They'll, they may distract from our inner anxieties, but they won't satisfy. So what is it that you put your trust in? The passage talks about our, both our hearts and minds. We can think, learn, understand, but if it doesn't sink into our hearts, then we, we won't love ourselves. We won't strive for him. We won't make our everyday decisions for God and with God. And, and finally, as we think about practicing peace, we should also remember that we are a community of peace. Think about those people around you. You know, it's easy to focus on ourselves and it is right to focus on ourselves and get that, that tension right. But also it should lead us to love others. Are we a church of peace, a community of peace? Are we peace in our neighborhoods, in the places we live, work and play? So as we seek to practice these things, let me give you a few things to think about. What practices will help you to thank and think with God? How can you create a quiet space in your life? Maybe you can start to think about what's, what's, what are those anxieties? How can we give them to God? Maybe there's something stirring that you feel God is leading you to. Commit that to God. And how can you show peace to those around you? So as we approach Christmas and reflect on Jesus as our Prince of Peace, what can you commit to over the next two or three weeks to make time to think, thank and do? with our God of peace? What opportunities can you create in those, those moments as you celebrate Christmas? But also, as we move into the new year, what kind of habits is God laying on your hearts to spend time with him, to commit things to him, to be still and rest in him? And lastly, as I said before, Maybe you've not experienced the peace of God at all. Maybe you're stir you find a stirring to follow Jesus, to turn to him for forgiveness, to become a child of God. And if this is the case, please come and speak to me or somebody in the church this morning. Um, don't pass the chance by um, for us to, to pray with you. So let's stand.